This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. Bruce Castor, the Trump defense attorney, is now laying out the defensive case in the impeachment trial. He is speaking as we speak right now, laying out that foundation. Again, they're going to be voting a little bit later on whether or not the impeachment trial is going to go forward. Of course, it probably will go forward, though he will be exonerated. There is no evidence of his guilt. But we're going to go into detail on this because it it appears that many people are still very confused as to what all of this is actually about. So we're going to go over that uh, in more detail here in just a little bit and definitively prove that this is a sham trial. And it really doesn't it doesn't take much. The effort required to prove that this is a sham impeachment trial is minimal, I assure you. Uh, besides the constitutional aspect of it, besides the point where uh, you can actually listen to the speech that the president gave, where he did not call for violence or insurrection or anything of that nature. We'll, we'll get into that again in just a little bit. Also, if you're looking for a used vehicle, go to rbcarcompany.com. Again, R&B Car Company are your used car experts with locations in South Bend and Warsaw. I am broadcasting in the radio studio today. This is the first time in, eh, it feels like it's a couple of months. Has it been a couple of months since before December? Not before December, before before I went on vacation. Yeah, okay, because I, I came in in December, definitively, at least one time. At least one time, <laughs> at least one time in December. Now, I have to apologize to all of you who look forward to watching the live stream every single day. I looked everywhere. My power cord for my laptop is gone. I don't know where it is. I plug it in in three places in my house. It's not in either one of those places. I don't know what happened. So I'm not able to live stream on DLive today. So I do apologize about that. But you can hang out with me in the live chat channel on the Discord server if you are a member. I want to go over what Joe Pollack from Breitbart, he went over the, the pre-trial memo from Trump's defense team. And he went over a few pieces of it. And it's critical the way that he, he breaks down what they're saying. And if you're not familiar with Joel Pollack, he's an amazing journalist. You need to follow Joel Pollack, even if you don't like Breitbart itself as an outfit. Joe Pollack is fantastic. When he goes over the memo, and you can read the memo, I'll put it in the Daily Show prep for everybody so you can actually take a look at the full memo. This is a well-done memo. The legal team is clearly prepared. Uh, at least it appears that they're prepared. I don't want to speak uh, before the actual trial happens, but they appear to be really prepared for this. So Joe Pollack starts tweeting out. He goes, in this country, the Constitution reigns supreme, but... Through this latest article of impeachment, now before the Senate, Democrat politicians seek to carve out a mechanism by which they can silence a political opponent and a minority party. Now, this is a quote from the memo. The first citation in Trump's legal memo is ironically to CNN, which once published a list of Democrats who had called for then-President Trump's impeachment. The point was... This is just the latest version of Trump derangement syndrome that they actually and they actually call it out among the Democrats. Now, again, this is from the memo as the body vested with the sole power to impeach. The House serves as the investigator and prosecutor. There was no investigation. This is true. There was no investigation aside from the constitutional issues with actually conducting an impeachment trial. House leadership simply cannot have it both ways. Either the president incited the riots, like the article claims, the articles of of impeachment, 
or the riots were pre-planned by a small group of criminals who deserve punishment to the fullest extent of the law. Now, this is a great point, and this is something that we have made. Now, the FBI, again, conveniently waited until after the impeachment vote to tell the entire world that what happened at the Capitol had been pre-planned for many weeks. Not on Parler, Joe, but on Facebook and YouTube primarily with some crossover into Twitter. The first 15 people, and that was the last count that I had. Who knows, that's gone up. The first 15 people who are arrested for what happened at the Capitol on January 6th did not even have Parler accounts. This goes back to Facebook making the claim that Parler should somehow be taken off of the Internet because Parler was not removing incitements to violence. Now, Facebook said... Parler doesn't have the ability to remove those things via comment moderating, but Facebook does. We are a much better outfit for this type of removal. And yet Facebook didn't. Facebook allowed the entire thing to be planned on their platform for several weeks. It didn't happen on Parler, but it did happen on Facebook. And Facebook didn't shut that down. So Facebook's own defense of themselves and why Parler is the bad guy actually exonerates Parler and indicts Facebook. Now, I know that that's a side issue. It just kind of, it's all mixed together. The Trump, uh, Trump told the crowd to fight like hell. Now, for those of you out there who think hell is a bad word, and I've, I've always been cautioned into not say it at certain times when kids are in their car, I'm just going to let you know, we're going to be dropping a lot of H-bombs on you today. All right? And it's not, not me specifically. I'm just quoting people, and we're going to play you a montage here that I think is, is it's critical, and it destroys the entire narrative. So if you, if you are those types who believe that the H word is a bad word and you don't want your kids to hear it, this may not be the best half hour of the program for you. Notably absent from his speech was any reference to or encouragement of an insurrection, a riot, criminal action, or any acts of physical violence whatsoever. The only reference to force was in taking pride in his administration's creation of the Space Force. Mr. Trump never made any express or implied mention of weapons, the need for weapons, or anything of the sort. Instead, he simply called for those on those gathered to peacefully and patriotically use their voices, as is, of course, allowed under the United States Constitution. Now, again, this is critical. Joe Pollitt continues, Democrats cannot pretend, this is all in the memo, Democrats cannot pretend that they were confused by the word fight. The nonprofit started by Stacey Abrams and endorsed by none other than Speaker Pelosi is literally called Fair Fight. And it asks people to join the fight for free and fair elections. Now, this is where the extreme mental gymnastics kind of comes in. And this goes back to my article that I wrote many years ago on why Obama and everybody else needs to shut up about violent rhetoric and politics. Everybody uses so-called violent rhetoric. Everybody does. What has now happened over the past several years, about the past six years or so, is we've started to pretend, well, it's more than that, actually, if you go back to the, uh, the Sarah Palin, uh, Gabby Giffords thing. We have started to pretend that when the other side uses, well, I should say only the Democrats are doing this, that Democrats have decided that when Republicans use the exact same so-called violent rhetoric that they do, that it's somehow an incitement of violence or an advocation of violence, where Democrats who use that same language, it is not. And you're supposed to understand the nuance and the true meaning behind what they're saying. 
It is an horrendously abusive double standard that unfortunately for the low information types out there, the lowest hanging fruit, if you will, of the lexicon of intelligence, they are easily fooled by this nonsense. The fact that some small percentage of unlawful rioters who, as the FBI, knew in advance, had been planning to come and wage war, did so later, does not in any way mean that they were acting at Mr. Trump's direction or through any incitement, air quote, from Mr. Trump. The lack of due process is no small matter. Due process of law is not a formality. It is a key constitutional right. And when it is lacking, a case is tainted and the case should be dismissed. And that's 100% correct. Now, again, they abandoned due process in the first impeachment trial also. So this is where I, I keep telling you, this is not a criminal trial. This is a political trial. That is important. Because what's happening is the Democrats and their supporters are saying, you're right, Casey, it's not a criminal trial. Therefore, he does not have a right to due process. You can't have it both ways. Either this is a trial about crimes or it is not. You've got to pick one or the other, but they keep going back and forth between the two of them. And the reality of the situation is you can't have it both ways. Which one is it? If it's not a criminal trial, then impeachment is unconstitutional. If it is a criminal trial, then he's entitled to due process, which he's being denied. But the Democrats are going back and forth with fluidity. And they're trying to make the case that it's both. Well, it's not. I think many people have forgotten what the articles of impeachment actually said. And I know that there's a lot of people who did not actually hear the president's speech that day who are pretending that they did. We've gone over that many times. But there are other people out there who are saying the articles of, of impeachment are not about his speech on the 6th. They're about everything else. No, they're not. We're going to get into that. I'm going to actually read you from the articles of impeachment next. And then I'm going to play you a montage which completely destroys the case. We have more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. So we're talking about impeachment. They're making the case right now. Trump's legal team is Bruce Castor Jr. is making the case that the impeachment trial is unconstitutional, which we've gone over the constitutional uh, provisions that address all of this a couple of times on the show already. I know that many of you have, have heard that. You've downloaded that podcast and in order to go ahead and spread it so other people understand exactly what's going on also. Um, in that show, I did an explanation of the one and only other time that somebody who is no longer in in a position in the government was actually impeached. And again, that person who had admitted their guilt was still exonerated in the Senate vote. And they were exonerated because senators believed that they were abusing the Constitution by even holding that. Uh, but that is somebody who had admitted their guilt. So just keep that in perspective when they try to say, well, it's happened before we have precedent. Yes, but there's, there's a lot of asterisks next to that precedent. So this is the actual House impeachment resolution. And I'm not going to read you the entire thing. It's five pages. It's really about two pages of actual content. And you get to the meat of, of the, uh, the issue on page three. Towards the bottom of page three is where you actually get why they're impeaching President Trump. I don't think a lot of people have actually read it. 
So I think it's imperative that we read it on the show. I, I've told you what it was before, but you know, I don't think I've actually read you verbatim what it was prior. If I did, then, then I apologize. On January 6, 2021, pursuant to the 12th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the House of Representatives, and the Senate met at the United States Capitol for a joint session of Congress to count the votes of the Electoral College. In the months preceding the joint session, President Trump repeatedly issued false statements asserting that the presidential election results were the product of widespread fraud and should not be accepted by the American people or certified by state or federal officials. All right, now, let's just take that one piece. There's obviously some, some nuance being missed in that. There's some wordplay that is happening with that, but regardless... That is not an impeachable offense. You may not like it. You may disagree with it, but it's not an impeachable offense. And if it is an impeachable offense, I got news for you. There's a whole lot of people, ladies and gentlemen, who can be impeached after what they said after the 20, uh, the, uh, not 2020, but the 2016 election. Because a bunch of Democrats ran around and said the exact same thing about Trump's victory. Let's not forget that. So right there, we know that that's not an impeachable offense. Next, shortly before the joint session commenced, President Trump addressed a crowd at the Ellipse in Washington, D.C. This is true. There, he reiterated false claims that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. He also willfully made statements that in context, oh, there's that wordplay, in context, encouraged and foreseeably resulted in Lawless action at the Capitol, such as if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Now, this is imperative. This is the articles of impeachment. The articles of impeachment say President Trump saying things that are not true or making unsubstantiated fraud claims. That's not a premise of impeachment. That's not a crime. And that is exactly what Democrats did after the 2000 election, and it is exactly what Democrats did after the 2016 election. It's not an impeachable offense. Their impeachable offense is President Trump saying, quote, if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Now, as we have already pointed out, the president called for a peaceful protest at the Capitol. Using those words specifically. We've also gone over the legal threshold to be able to actually get somebody convicted of incitement, which is very, very difficult to do in U.S. legal code. And it's designed that way specifically, which is why even if you have video footage of people in BLM or Antifa calling for violence, they still haven't been prosecuted for incitement, even, even though we have them on camera calling for it, because oftentimes the way that they word it is very difficult to actually prove legitimate incitement. So you have you have the the actual case here that the Democrats have in the House of Representatives, the actual articles of impeachment, which was ten I think it was ten Republicans joined in on, is that Trump said this specific sentence: "If you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore." All right, if fight like hell, Joe, cue my audio. If fight like hell is an incitement to violence. 
Joe, would you interpret Fight Like Hell as an incitement to violence? Okay, if Fight Like Hell is an incitement to violence, then what is all of, what is all of this with prominent Democrats? They're going to fight like hell to make this a reality. Americans who took to the streets this week have demanded change. With this legislation, Democrats are heeding their calls. I want the people of Pennsylvania, the people all across this country to know that we are going to fight like hell to protect your vote, to secure your vote, and to make sure that your vote is counted. How confident are you that Kentuckians are going to have the ability to vote freely uh, in November? Well, I'll tell you, I'm confident that we're going to fight like hell to make sure they can. We are going to fight like hell to make sure that everyone who wants to vote can exercise that right to vote. This election is coming, whether the president wants it or not, and we're going to fight like hell in Congress to make sure that the mail still works. Today, Biden's VP Kamala Harris told supporters in a fundraising note that it is time to, quote, fight like hell to protect the Supreme Court following the passing of late Justice Ginsburg. That legacy of rights needs to be continued. I'm going to fight like hell. Speaking for myself, I'm going to fight like hell. Aaron, we're going to fight like hell. The reforms, we're going to fight like hell to get those reforms in. I, and I know many other senators and members of the House, will fight like hell to make sure that we act and act as soon as possible. I just have one thing to say about the next eight days. I'm going to fight like hell. The president will go into the White House and will fight like hell to make sure they get the health care they need. Mitch McConnell believes that this fight is over. What Mitch McConnell does not understand is this fight has just begun. Okay. So sometimes they're specifically saying we're going to fight like hell for specific legislation. And other times they're just using the exact same language that the president used. We're going to fight like hell to protect the Supreme Court. Kamala Harris said that. That's an impeachable offense, according to the Democrats. So I guess Kamala, which again, is covered under the articles of, uh, well, I should say the Constitution, under the uh, the powers of impeachment, should be impeached based on that language. This is the type of stuff that, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who just, they didn't know what was actually up for grabs here, what was actually being discussed as impeachment. It was simply that one sentence. That is their entire case. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company? Locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, so after the Super Bowl, some interesting things are happening. As we we're talking about impeachment, one of the other things is, is that the political process has already started for 2024. It started for, again, 2022, but it's also started for 2024. And I've told you already for... You know, a couple of months now, keep an eye on Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. This is a guy who has mass appeal right now, and they don't like him. And by they, I mean the swamp, the media, the left, whatever. They don't like him at all. They're trying to destroy him right now. They've been trying to destroy him throughout the process of the pandemic. For those of you who are unaware, because you're new here, Florida has remained open almost the entire pandemic. 
Florida dramatically outperforms comparably populated states who lock down with very strict restrictions. Now, again, your average person will take a look at this and go, hmm, Florida's doing the exact opposite of places with similar population demographics. Florida's got a very large senior citizen population. Why is Florida outperforming places that we're told should be outperforming Florida because those places are, air quote, following the science, while Florida is just doing whatever Florida wants to do? Well, that's a great question. Why might that be happening? Could it be? Maybe it's geography. Could it be dumb luck? Or is it possible that Florida's right? Florida's model is essentially the Swedish model. That's essentially what, what is going on. To make it simple for everybody, Florida's doing what the, Swede, the Swedes did. And the Swedes, again, outperformed vast majority of Europe. Florida's outperforming the vast majority of the country. You know, it's, it's imperative to, to look at it that way. Especially in the, the latest surge that happened starting in September. Florida has outperformed. If you adjust your stats from the entire pandemic to just September to now, Florida has dramatically outperformed most other states. They're one of the leading states in battling COVID. Now, Ron DeSantis is, he's not quite like Trump, but he is somebody who fights back. I would say that Ron DeSantis' relationship with the media is a little bit more like Chris Christie's was when he was governor of New Jersey. It's very combative. It's very in-your-face. It's, it's fact-driven, and he doesn't put up with any garbage. It's just, that's just how it is. Now, a lot of people don't like that, but there's a lot of people out there who are going, well, even if we can't have Trump, at least we could have somebody who will fight. And Ron DeSantis is the guy that, uh, one, he's doing very well with COVID. He's been attacked repeatedly. His state has been lied about repeatedly. And he's got similar personality traits while probably not being as risky of overstepping as Trump is often seen as doing, particularly on social media. So there's a lot of upside to Ron DeSantis right now for people who are, are fans of, of Trump and, and that sort of thing. So keep an eye on him. Now, with that said, Florida, obviously, with the Super Bowl and everything else, is in the crosshairs again, and people are starting to use the Super Bowl as an excuse to go after Ron DeSantis. Of course, he was at the Super Bowl. Uh, Ron DeSantis was photographed, again, still frame, not wearing his mask. Ron DeSantis' response to that is, how am I supposed to, to drink my beer wearing a mask? <laughs> it's, okay, he's got a point. But this is this has led to people attacking Ron DeSantis, which we'll get to in a second. But first, let's let's deal with Tampa directly. Now, you have a bunch of the newspapers, New York Times and others basically saying, hey, we got a real problem with people who attended the Super Bowl who were not wearing their mask. Now, this is the same news media that didn't care about people not wearing their mask when the Lakers won the championship. These are people who didn't care about not wearing the mask when you were celebrating uh, Biden's election night, air quote, win. These are the same newspapers and media that were celebrating Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests, oftentimes not wearing masks. But all of a sudden now, it's again, it's back to the masks. See, they pick and choose which, which event the mask is important at. Because remember, it's, as Joe has to remind me periodically, COVID doesn't spread at BLM protests. 
COVID is not spread at BLM protests and riots. Okay, so it's um, COVID did not spread in the the protests and the riots and the celebrations that happened when the Lakers won the NBA championship. COVID doesn't target those people. COVID only targets other people. So then you've got the Tampa mayor. And for the record, I keep I tell you, I would love to have a property in Tampa. I, I just, I like Tampa, Florida. But the mayor, Jane Castor, Jane Castor is out there now saying people who didn't wear a mask at the Super Bowl will be identified and dealt with by law enforcement. Um, what, Joe? What did you say, Joe? That is a lot. I didn't even watch the game, and I have seen massive quantities of photo and video of people not wearing their masks at the game. Same. Okay? So they're going to be using, I assume, facial recognition technology to try and identify who was at the Super Bowl and didn't wear a mask. Okay. Now, this... <laughs> so this is the mayor. Tampa, Tampa mayor, Jane Castor, said that the maskless fans at the Super Bowl will be, quote, identified by law enforcement and that police will, quote, handle the situation. Wouldn't it be inconvenient, Joe, if we had maybe a photograph of the mayor of Tampa, Florida at the Super Bowl without a mask, Joe? <laughs> and and no no food or drink in her hands or around her. Because remember, if you have food around you, you can you can take your mask down. And you can go ahead and, and consume, right? That's the because COVID doesn't spread in between sips. I should say during sips or bites. It, COVID only spreads in between. All right. COVID has very strict rules in how it spreads itself to all of you. They have a code of honor, if you will. So if you're going to eat your sandwich and drink your coffee, COVID says we're going to give them that. We're, we're not going to spread uh, when that happens. <laughs> Here I am. I'm just staring at the. <clears throat> if the if the mayor of Tampa can go to sporting events and not wear a mask, then why can't other people in Tampa go to sporting events and not wear a mask? Just throwing that out there. All right, now, Governor DeSantis. Back to Governor DeSantis. Everybody's attacking Governor DeSantis of Florida. Why again? Super Bowl, Tampa. Florida is now back in the spotlight. This is our opportunity to take out Ron DeSantis again, only it keeps it keeps backfiring. We'll talk about that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Do you remember a couple of months ago that I was talking about how out of the blue, all of a sudden CNN just started attacking Florida? Now, throughout this entire pandemic, there's been various stages where Florida has come under attack. Like, remember when the ICU beds were running out? There was no more hospital capacity in Florida. That was a lie. Local media exposed that lie. That, that never happened. But national media was pushing this. that Florida had run out of hospital beds. And it was all because, again, Ron DeSantis wouldn't close down the state. Right? But it didn't happen. It was, it was a lie. It wasn't a myth or it wasn't a, you know, a misconstruing of the facts. It was, it was a complete and 100% lie. So then, then you had, you, you flash forward all of a sudden we hadn't heard about florida in a long time that all of a sudden it was you know cnn attacking florida as all of a sudden florida had like a 50 percent increase in covid cases and it was out of the blue and cnn's position was florida had a 50 percent increase in covid cases and this is one of the only states who hasn't locked down 
Now, what they didn't tell you at the time was that was what 47th out of 50 states for increases, meaning they were outperforming 46 other states. But they only focused on Florida. Everywhere else, they were having hundreds of times of increase. They were having, some, in some cases, thousands of times of increase in COVID cases. Florida had a 50% increase. Now you've got everything that's happening at the Super Bowl, right? So, oh, Ron DeSantis got caught not wearing a mask at the Super Bowl. Oh, Tampa Mayor, we're going to identify people who didn't wear masks. By the way, somebody on my, my uh, DLive, not DLive, my Discord server pointed out those people who are not wearing a mask at the Super Bowl were the vaccinated healthcare workers that were vaccinated and given seats at the Super Bowl. Remember that? Now, I had pointed out at the time, I don't think they're going to have the second dose by the time they get there, so they're technically not immune. Um, but that's another thing to point out, and I'm glad, I think Paul on the Discord server mentioned that. Remember, a lot of the people who were at the Super Bowl were vaccinated healthcare workers who are now going to be identified and tracked down by, by Tampa law enforcement and handled. Hmm. That's interesting. Then you got, of course, the governor. He's, he's drinking his beer. You've got the, uh, the mayor of Tampa. She's always at a lightning game without a mask. She's tailgates for Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer games without a mask. She's got a long, rich history of not wearing a mask in public. But anyway, uh, so now we have, we have once again an attack on Governor DeSantis. And now it's coming out in everywhere, right? So Jamel Hill, who used to be famous, Jamel Hill, again, attacks Florida's COVID plan. By going out there, and, and this is what she tweeted out, a lot of people seem to just be finding out that Florida's COVID strategy largely has been bleep it. Florida has been wide open for most of the pandemic. And so this did not this did not bode very well for her because there's a bunch of people who happen to have access to the Florida statistics, which are publicly available, by the way. And people are just hitting her over the head with the fact that Florida is outperforming New York and California and other places with similar populations who went under full lockdown. It's kind of interesting to watch this all play out. More coming up, 95.3 MNC.